God's plan. God's plan. I hold back sometimes I won't. Yeah. I feel good sometimes I don't. Yeah. Hey guys, what's up? It's your girl T back again with the fifth episode of Real Talk. Can y'all believe this is already episode five? On another note, Real Talk's one month anniversary or month anniversary, as some people like to say. Now, technically, Real Talk did start on January 31st, but since February is mad extra and don't want to be having all the days in the month, we're going to have to celebrate today. So happy birthday or happy one month birthday to Real Talk. Yay! Thank you so much for all the support in just one month. Real Talk has had over 1,000 plays crazy it has over over a hundred and fifty subscribers are you kidding me right now we have reached 34 countries around the world 34 independent countries are listening to real talk in just one month ladies and gentlemen when god is in something when god is in something you don't have to do much i think everybody so much for all the support i'm telling you i get messages every day and it's such a humbling experience it's such a crazy experience i don't even believe really when i read the thing sometimes i feel like my friends have come together and just written me letters from different email addresses because i can't even fathom what is going on but indeed god is on the move he placed something in my heart and Ultimately, he's the one working. I'm just the vessel through which he's passing through. Thank you guys so much for all the support, for all the words of encouragement, and thank you for sharing, liking, and supporting Real Talk. We cannot do this without you. But no matter what, till the end of time, we will set the captives free. And even though this is just episode five, we're gonna have a six and a seven and an eight and a nine and a 10 and 11 and 12, 300, 400, 500, till we a TV show. And that's a prophecy, so you can sow a seed. Drops mic. Anywho, this episode is the first of a series entitled God's Plan Focused on Purpose. Ah, purpose. Um, what can I say about purpose? When it comes to purpose, it's so vast. I find a lot of time church lingo and church culture throws around the word purpose. We're told all the time to focus on God's purpose, to walk in God's purpose, to find God's purpose, but we're never really shown how. It's like, okay, purpose this, purpose that, but y'all gonna tell me how to get it or not? For one thing about purpose is is not exclusive to just people in the church. Whether you're in the church or not, whether you're saved or in the world, at one point you've probably asked yourself, what are you here for? What is your mission in life? What is your purpose in life? Why were you put on earth? The enemy, because he's so annoying, has preyed on the confusion and the lack of structure in discovering purpose. And I'm sure we're all no strangers to tragedies of where people have self-harmed because of a lack of purpose but it's a new generation of millennials being raised and we are setting the captives free and i just happen to be one of them so we will speak the truth and shame the devil that is why god placed on my heart to do this series about purpose a little bit just a little background about me and where i've come from in terms of purpose um throughout my high school years i told you guys a little bit about i told you guys a little bit about it and episode three but throughout my high school years I struggled with what my purpose was I knew what I was good at but I didn't know why I was on earth and I felt like and for some reason I felt when I came to Christ I would automatically know like a light bulb will go on and I would know exactly what my purpose was but that was not the case after coming to Christ 
for two years, I still walked in confusion, not knowing what my purpose was and hearing church people constantly tell me to focus on purpose, chase purpose, walk in purpose, pursue purpose without knowing what purpose even was or how to even get it. Thankfully, I was able to discover purpose in 2016, but not without a fight. Y'all know me. I love the word. And so I turned to the scriptures and my quest for purpose. And I thought, let me find somebody who figured out purpose or did purpose well in their youth. And obviously the Holy Spirit brought me to David. Now I know when people say David, a lot of people don't like him, but let me tell you why David is a boss. David is the king. If you know me personally, if you read my blog at all, when I had it, you would know that David is my Bible boyfriend because that man was a boss. Like what you mean? This man was a young boy. The Bible said he was handsome, so we already know he was fine. But the thing is, David was a boss because he was in front of a giant, you know, a giant in front of his brothers and all of Saul's men who had been training to come and fight these people for so long, but they were scared. And David, who had no training at all, he stepped up on the scene and he was like, so what's up? What's up? You talking about God? What's up? And Goliath is there laughing like, who is this little boy that is trying me? What? Like, y'all couldn't bring someone bigger. This little boy, ha, ha, ha. David is like, what's up? And he's talking, and Goliath is talking mad breeze, and David is just getting angry. Listen, David was the original hothead. Move over, Peter. We don't need to cut off no one's ear. Let me tell y'all about David, though. David, though? Original hothead number one. Goliath is talking mad breeze, and David is getting upset and getting upset and getting upset. So finally, he was just... Like, okay, but can I have a stone, please? Can somebody get me a pebble? Goliath was probably sitting up there like a pebble. Like, who this guy think he is? And boom, he's dead. Just like that. That's a boss, man. That's a don't worry. One one day when we get into relationships, I'm gonna tell y'all about bosses. That's a boss. What? David is my man. Like, come on, David. Anywho, that's not that's not the conversation. So I went searching the scriptures about purpose and I stumbled upon David. And the thing about David is it's so interesting because I I read, you know, Samuel where the story of David is. And I think about David and I think about how his life might have went. I mean, imagine a young boy serving his father, doing what he likes to do, stirring up his gifts and talents. You know, he plays the harp a little bit. He's a little musician and he serves his father in the fields and he's looked down upon by his own brothers and everybody else around. And then out of nowhere, a man shows up one day at his house and says he's gonna anoint him. And as I was reading, I kinda got mad at God because we have that relationship. We fight and make up like nothing. Like we we play play, like thing like we cool like that. So I was like, okay, but God, why would you do this though? Because we, the readers, have a bird's eye view and we know that Saul messed up and Samuel came to anoint David David as king but imagine David in that time if you search the scriptures when Samuel shows up he doesn't say I'm here to anoint your son as king he just says he's here to anoint and at first he was about to anoint the wrong person because he didn't even know who God had chosen but he just said he was here to anoint I don't even think he said he was here to anoint let's check the scriptures again before I give y'all some false information I am not a false preacher or a false prophet let's go straight to the word please so if you're following along we are going Going to first Samuel chapter 16 uh, we can start from verses 1 I'm not gonna read it all but yeah um, here we go so Samuel is mourning Saul and the Lord is like how long are you mourning this guy because God was like straight done with Saul he was finished y'all feel like God is so merciful and actually he is merciful but like don't make him tired of you <laughs> he was like 
Uh, why are you still mourning, Saul? Because go fill your horn. His replacement is already up next. And Samuel gets up and he's like, oh my God, but Saul's going to kill me. Da, 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 da. And God was not even playing. He's like, listen, hurry up and go get a heifer and go and tell these people you came to do what you got to do. Like I, the one that I'm ready to anoint, I will show you. Just hurry up. I don't, I don't got your type of time, Samuel. Get to step in before you get replaced too. So Samuel finally gets it together and he gets up and he goes and he goes to Jesse's house. And the Bible says, then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw alive and thought, sure. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. He stands before the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look like people look. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse calls each one of the kids and make them stand in front of him, but the oil won't pour. Did the oil pour? No. Samuel's like, Jesse, this is all your kids? Because I'm, I know I hear God and he told me that the, the dude is out here, so... This can't be all your kids. There must be another one. And Jesse's like, oh, the youngest? Oh, yeah, there remains the youngest. But, you know, he's just tending the sheep. And Samuel's like, what? Go get him? What the- I told you to bring all your sons. So they go get Je- They so, so they go get David. And as soon as he comes, the Bible says he was sent. So I'm going to read it out for y'all. Verses 12. So he sent for him and he brought him in. He was glowing with health health and had a fine appearance and handsome features then the lord said rise and anoint him this is the one that's what god said rise and anoint him this is the one so imagine david he's minding his own business doing his own thing a man comes out of nowhere and anoints him but like anoints him for what there are so many things you can be anointed for you can be anointed to preach you can be anointed to teach you can be anointed to pray you can be anointed to sing you can be anointed to sleep i step into that every once in a while because that's one of the graces i have but you know we're not gonna talk about that right now but you could be anointed for anything and I just feel like a lot of times we focus so much on what everything that was happening from Samuel's point of view but can we step into David's shoes for a second David out of nowhere is anointed but anointed for what what must have been going through David's head from that point on okay now I'm an, now I know I'm anointed I know that I'm called for more than tending to sheep I know that I'm called for more than playing the harp but he doesn't know the end goal he doesn't even know he's about to become king all he knows is that he's anointed and I feel like for us millennials especially in this time that is a lot of our situations whether it's through an actual prophet that came and told us that we were anointed or just the inspiration of the Holy Spirit or simply an impression in our heart or just an encounter with God we know that we are anointed for a purpose greater than what we are doing right now but we don't actually know the end goal we don't know we're gonna get the kingdom we don't know we're gonna fight Goliath we don't know we're gonna play the harp for Saul to be delivered all we know is that we are anointed but still we have to go back into a place of comfort that we know that we will eventually outgrow without knowing what it is we're growing into that's a word somebody you can tweet that actually where did that come the holy spirit thank you holy spirit we go back to a place of comfort that we know we will eventually outgrow but we don't feel like we've sowed seeds or planted seeds for leaves to start showing and that is what david felt and somehow david went 
from the sheep to using his gift of playing the heart to deliver Saul, fighting Goliath to being king. My pastor says something so, so uh, funny that I remember every time I think of David, that every time you meet David in scripture, he's either getting out of trouble or getting into trouble. Isn't it so true? Because we know David messed up so much, but still he's accredited as a man after God's heart. How is it that someone could self-sabotage as much as he did, literally forfeit destiny a number of times and still end up in line with God's plan. What did he do right? And how did his wrongs become rights? How did his wrongs work out for him? All of this is linked to purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, I wanna take you on a journey to discovering purpose. What it is you were put here for. What it is God is calling you to do. And I may not have all the answers and I may not even get you there by the end of this series, but I hope that this series will plant a seed, will ignite a fire, will start some Something in you to your journey to achieving purpose. Now, I don't know everything. I'm in the same position as you. I just started this ministry. Well, I kind of started when I had the blog, but this branch of the ministry just started and I'm still figuring out my purpose as well. And because I know I can't take y'all anywhere I haven't been, I've decided under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to bring in people that do know and people that can teach and people that have achieved purpose and are walking in that very thing. So we are bringing in the connoisseurs to teach us about purpose. What were you put on earth for? How do you get from point A to be? Where is your life going? How do you know you're in alignment? What is God's plan? Let's talk about it. I refuse to believe that this is my fate as a woman. This cannot be it. I was not born to be a trophy wife. I'm talking about growth. It's a measure of me versus me yesterday versus me two days ago. Not a measure of me versus you. We're trying to raise women that understand that they can be classy, they can be beautiful, they can be petty, they can be smart, they can be knowledgeable, they can be independent. We are a new generation of women. We are not conformed or confined by everything that society has placed out for us. We're breaking out of the mold and creating something new for ourselves. We are Sassy and Safe Baby. Today, I am not alone. I am with the Apostle of Apostle, the General of Generals, oh, the End Time David, oh, you're Pastor Kofi Darte of Ooh. Campus Rush Movement. Hey. Pastor Kofi, can you shout out the people, please? Hey, shout out to all my hitters. I'm joking, I ain't got none. Shout out to, to CR, shout out to TLC, shout out all my people. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks, Teresa, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Let's do it. I'm All right. So, Pasco, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and CR? What is CR? Okay. So, uh, I am a 20-something-year-old uh, young man of God, just trying to please God, trying to just follow his ways. Uh, I just have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor of the Campus Rush Movement, uh, which is Young Adult Expression, Millennial Expression of TLC, Transforming Life Center, where my parents, Dr. Ralph and Mama Regina, shout out to my, my Dukes, they serve as the general overseers, and I have the privilege of serving uh, under them. And so, yeah, that's, that's who I am, that's what I do, I'm a musician, do a whole bunch of stuff, but uh, in short, that's who I am. He's being modest. Oh, no, chill, He's chill, being chill. mad modest. Hey, God is awesome. All right, so what is purpose? Can you tell the people of God what exactly is purpose for those who don't know? I think purpose is finding why you are alive. Purpose is finding out uh, why you are on this earth 
and, uh, and, and just operating in that, in that knowledge. Okay, and how does one achieve purpose? Uh, I wouldn't say achieve purpose. I would say find purpose. Mm. I think purpose is found. Uh, That's the word. Yeah. When when you're born, God God plants a purpose inside of you. God doesn't create. Oh, he doesn't create a waste. Uh, my dad always says that. Said that God has never created anything without void. And so when you look at purpose, purpose is something that you find. It's something that's innate. It's something that God places on the inside of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I think that definitely the way that you can find it is just by tapping into the giftings that you already have and uh, knowing that, man, I've really been gifted for this thing. Uh, I feel as though I may have uh, something deeper than just enjoying it. It may just be something that God has called me to do, a calling, if I should say so. Okay, well, you're a pastor for real, because the next question is, how do our gifts and talents contribute to our purpose? Definitely. Uh, a little while ago, when I actually probably be teaching on this, maybe um, at church sometime soon, God began to speak to me about this thing called the cycle of purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see a few people preaching it around, but uh, God downloaded this revelation into me. And he told me this, this very simply. He said that a lot of people think that, that purpose and career cannot mix. They think that their purpose is on one side, and their career is on the other side. Uh, and I'm going to talk about giftings in a second as well. But God began to speak to me. He said that that they can actually intertwine, that you can find your your purpose out of your career and you can find your career out of your purpose. Mm-hmm. Many times people think that it's like one side over here, career, mm-hmm. other side, purpose. But God was telling me that within your purpose and what you're called to do, it's innate. So purpose comes with what we call gifting. So anytime you have a purpose, your purpose comes with giftings. And those giftings are skills, they're qualities, they're what you're actually good at, your mm-hmm. strengths. So if you want to know what somebody's good at, that's probably tied to their purpose. Mm-hmm. And their career is like, okay, this is what I studied, uh, this is what I went to school for. So a lot of people find, I went to school for psychology, but my purpose is music, or my purpose is transforming lives and raising leaders. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I'm good at communication. I'm good at this. Those are the giftings that come out of them. So how do you locate your giftings? Uh, very simple. What are you good at? And from there, you realize, wow, I'm gifted in this area. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so can you give us some insight into walking into purpose at a young age? Like you said, you are a 20-something-year-old mm-hmm. pastor. Mm-hmm. That is very uncommon yeah. in the world today. Even though we see people emerging from all over the world, it's not something that you generally find. So can mm-hmm. you give us insight for the other millennials listening on mm-hmm. what is walking in purpose at a young age? Do you struggle with credibility because of your age? Are you missing out on the everyday life of a millennial because of what you're doing? Is your purpose coming at the expense of your real life essentially i think that's a lot that's that's like a couple that's like five questions in one Teresa. but i think i'll try to unpack as much as i can okay uh i believe walking into your purpose at an early age how can i say so um i never anticipated it Mm -hmm. Uh, i never expected that i would be at this level i'd be at this stage in my life I never really saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started ministering when I was 20 years old on the dot is when I started this ministry. I started fully walking in, in what I'd call my purpose. Wow. Um, uh, I wouldn't say the purpose. I never knew it was, was there. Like I always knew I was called for it. I knew mm-hmm. that I had purpose, but I didn't want to walk in it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I find sometimes that we are stubborn mm-hmm. in, we know what we're created to do. We know what our calling is. But it's uh, not popping. It's not popping. Why? Because mm-hmm. I actually preached about it last week. Because your purpose is your why, your assignment is your what. And and many times people know their purpose, mm-hmm. but they don't want to take their assignment. And so I knew my purpose my whole life Ooh, was to weird. help people. 
my, my purpose my whole life was to help people, to bring people to the revelation of Jesus mm -hmm. through music or through communication or through talking to people. But I didn't want to pick my assignment mm -hmm. because your assignment essentially is carrying your cross, mm. you know, because your assignment comes at the expense of sleep, does it not? Mm -hmm. Your assignment comes at the expense of uh, friends. Your assignment comes at the expense of your social life. Your mm. Everything happens when you choose your assignment and you pick it up and begin to walk in it. And so how did I do it? I just said yes. Just say yes. Just, it was easy like that. You just say yes. I mean, after you battle and you get sick mm -hmm. and you fall sick and, and then God is speaking to you, mm -hmm. um, after some time, you say, you know what? I'm done fighting you, God. I'm done running from this. I, I just want to say yes. Right. I mean, my yes didn't happen like that, but uh, that's for another conversation. When you pick a fight with God, you can't win, that's essentially. Right. When you pick a fight with God, you can't win. That's right. All right. So what about people who are constantly changing career paths, jumping from discipline to discipline? Like I myself, I studied like 20,000 things before I finally found like, okay, this is what I wanted to do. But like you said, I knew from a young age that I was gifted in certain areas, but I didn't really want to do certain things because it's for guys. I'm like, I don't want to do computer software. I don't want to do that. It's for guys. It's for guys. But till finally, I accepted it. So people that jump around from discipline to discipline or change career paths, are they just not, do they just not understand their purpose? Are they just lost? Do they need guidance? How do they narrow it down to like, okay? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I can't say that I do relate because I've, I've always really known what I what wanted to do. Okay. Um, in terms of career, I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to do. Like, copycat. Hey, oh, is that, that copy you? I think you copy me. But okay. I think uh, I wanted to be a lawyer. It's like, you know what? I know how to talk. And uh, I think everybody who doesn't like math wants to go into law. Mm -hmm. I won't generalize, but I'll say so. For me, anyways. Um, so I think when it comes to jumping around different careers and, and, and things, I think... It comes down to this assignment thing as well. Mm -hmm. And it also comes down to the fact of I may know my purpose, like I'm saying, but I haven't really found a career that brings out the giftings mm -hmm. of my purpose. Okay. Because what it, what it is is that you're supposed to, like I said, this cycle of purpose. What's supposed to happen is you have your purpose on one side, you have your career on the other side. Mm -hmm. Now, your career is looking for the qualities in your giftings that are found in your purpose. So you have your purpose. I'm called to transform lives and raise leaders. What does it take for my purpose to happen? Okay. It takes communication. It takes submission. Mm -hmm. It takes Those are qualities. Your qualities can also be called your giftings. Now, your career, there it's looking for your giftings. Mm -hmm. If you're gifted in, in communication, you're gifted in, pa in being patient, you're gifted in uh, you know, talking to people, communicating with people, then maybe you, you have to do a career that has to do with communicating to people, mm -hmm. with talking to people. So your purpose, or rather your career, is actually looking and awaiting the giftings in your purpose okay. to locate it. So a lot of people have the giftings of their purpose, mm -hmm. but they just haven't channeled it to the right career. Mm -hmm. That's all. So that's why people jump around disciplines. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Okay, so can purpose be fulfilled by oneself? Like, for example, you are currently walking in purpose. From the, to the naked eye, everyone knows that. Like, whoa, this guy oh, is born to God. do this. Praise God. Like, come on, praise it just God. comes easy. Who hey, is hey, this hey, man? Hey, hey, hey. But grace. you're obviously not married. So mm -hmm. you're walking in purpose. You're fulfilling purpose. Yeah. Can purpose be achieved by oneself, or do you need help? I think that everybody has a specific role to play in life. Mm -hmm. um, everybody has uh, something that God has called them to do. I think that when it comes to relationships and it comes to companionship, that 
yes, God has a purpose for you, mm -hmm. but part of your purpose is also to make room for your destiny helper. Okay. Uh, I think that's within your purpose, is mm -hmm. to make room for that which the person that God has called to you to help you push even further in that purpose. Mm -hmm. So yes, you can do it uh, on your own, but you need somebody, you need a destiny helper. God created uh, a woman to be the helpmate for man. Mm -hmm. and so definitely there is room for the woman to push the man in purpose. Okay. So being a millennial pastor, you obviously eat relationship questions for mm -hmm. breakfast. All the time. I'm sure that this is not foreign to you. Uh, so that's kind of where we're shifting into right now. So Lord just prepare me. yourself. So many agreed that uh, one of the scariest things about purpose yeah. is forfeiting it by marrying the wrong person. How does one discern who their destiny helper is. So many times it is said that their purposes align. What does it even mean for a purpose to align? For example, you are called to millennials and you do that through so many different channels. There are like 10,000 women in the world that are called to millennials. How can you know that, okay, this is the one out of everybody that is for me? Yeah, I think when it comes to that, you gotta look at the scripture. You gotta, and you gotta look at the perfect will, the good will, and the acceptable will of God. Mm -hmm. um, the Bible talks about the good will, talks about the acceptable will, and talks about the perfect will of God. Now, every man of God, every woman of God, every young person, your desire should be, God, connect me to your perfect will. Mm -hmm. And that's what I preach and that's what I talk is, God, connect me to your perfect will. And who's your perfect will? The one that by which God has created in heaven to support your vision, to support your mandate, but mm -hmm. it's beyond that. When it comes to relationships and it comes to just, uh, you know, uh, uh, relations with the opposite sex, uh, you have to understand this, that you won't always be preaching, mm -hmm. you won't always be ministering. Mm -hmm. When you finish, you don't need just a help me, you need a wife. Mm -hmm. You need to go home to a wife mm -hmm. who's gonna be able to take your nonsense, take your dirty socks, mm -hmm. take, take you not, you know, dirty doing socks, whatever. Though? You know what I mean? Your clothes on the ground, you know, your room's mess. Hey, like, the person has to love you for you. Mm -hmm. So it's beyond the surface levels. So that's yeah. what I mean by it. a lot of times people think, okay, you're a millennial pastor, you need someone who's equally doing what you're doing, but mm -hmm. it's beyond that. Mm -hmm. It's my perfect will. Maybe for me, my perfect will is not to find somebody who necessarily is in ministry or mm -hmm. somebody who's like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe my perfect will is to find a wife, mm -hmm. somebody who can take care of the home, somebody who can help me, mm -hmm. somebody who can support me. Because the truth of the matter is, is that when it comes to men of God, on the day, or even men in general, on the day that you are the most down, you have to ask yourself this question. Will a word that this woman speak to me speak life back into me when mm -hmm. everybody's not watching and the lights are off? That is what it is, mm -hmm. finding the perfect will. Is that person who knows what to say by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when you're not in that place of, 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 of glam. Yeah, that, that's what it is. That's the truth. You want the raw, you got the raw. That's what it is. All right, let the people know. Okay, just continuing with the questions about purpose and purpose partners, especially now in a time where women and men are sort of both emerging as powerful and influential kingdom people. How do you prevent contention or competition within a marriage? If, for example, your purpose partner is called to do great things, just as you are also called to do great things, how do you know, okay, we are working on this or we are working on that? Essentially, the woman's role is a helpmate. So is she to help the man fulfill his purpose or can she work in her purpose? I know that the purposes are intertwined, but still, you know, just with the way things are going and the way God is moving lately, a lot of women are gaining momentum in the kingdom. So how do you know where to draw the line? Where does helpmates start or grinding and 
Definitely. I think that's a great a great question. Um, I think the answer can be found in Ephesians 5. We talk about submission from 21 to 31. But hey, submission. I, I don't think that I'm, I don't think that I'm qualified to answer this question. I don't think I've been in a position to do so. So okay. unfortunately, uh, I can't answer this. Because it, to answer this question, you have to first have been in that position where mm-hmm. I can first of all tell you. The only thing I can tell you is from a biblical standpoint where mm-hmm. it talks about man loving your wife as Christ loves the church. It talks mm-hmm. about, yes, flowing in purpose, mm-hmm. but understanding that your ministry first is to each other and mm-hmm. then to people. Yeah. And so that level of competition has mm-hmm. to be killed. The reason why there may be competition on the outside is because there's competition in the home. So if, if, if that's not dealt with between you and, and this is just speaking from just the basic, yeah. I'm a social worker. Mm-hmm. I analyze people. I work with people. Yeah. If two people are in competition, mm-hmm. the way that I know that I can see that on the outside is if I know definitely without a shadow of a doubt that there's competition on the inside. Okay. So if you're unable to deal with that mm-hmm. from a leadership standpoint, because that's a leadership problem. Mm-hmm. If there's competition in the home, it mm-hmm. means that the roles have not been identified mm-hmm. and there's insecurity brewing. And so if that insecurity, whether in the man or or in the woman, mm-hmm. has not been handled, and if those roles as a man and a wife have not been clearly identified as well, mm-hmm. there will be competition in the home. And of course, whatever is done in the darkness will eventually come to the light, as the word says. So. All right. You saved yourself. That's a good answer, I must say. So how does one get from start point to end point you said you stepped into ministry at the age of 20 you are now 20 something so you've been doing this for a few years i'm not gonna say how many because that will give away your age but um you've been doing this for a few years how did you get from the beginning of i don't want to to yes i'm now doing to where you are now how do you it's like okay say i know my purpose Mm -hmm. and i know the end goal how do i get from point a to point b definitely i think uh, god takes you through what we call process Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'm no stranger to that word. Process is something where God takes you, breaks you, molds you, and then uses you for his glory. You may come in, you know, busted, uh, you know, broke, disgusted. Your life is messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet you may still have passion. Mm-hmm. You may still have, I want to do this. I have purpose on my life. Great. From getting from one point to another, God takes you through process. You know, um, the Bible says that he told Jeremiah to go to the potter's house. And what happened at the potter's house? He saw that God was forming a clay. Mm-hmm. He saw that God was forming what he wanted, but then he realized that it wasn't what he expected. So he began to crush that thing and he began to remold it and rebuild it and take it through that whole process. And you know, the whole process of the potter and the clay is crazy. Mm-hmm. He first selects the clay, he begins to you know mold it into what's he, what he wants, puts it in the fire, takes it out, paints on it, puts it back in the fire. You know, so God takes you through process before you can use you. Process for me mm-hmm. was a breaking point. Mm-hmm. Process for me was God meeting me in my bedroom uh, when I was 19 years old mm-hmm. and listening and watching a video by William McDowell and God breaking me and telling me about worshiping, telling me about how I need to get closer to his heart mm-hmm. and you know, you know, answering an altar call and, and God speaking to me and telling me I want to use you for my glory. I have so many moments like that, but I think the most um, notable one, definitely, as everybody knows, I was driving got to this intersection here in Ottawa, God speaks to me audibly out of my ear and tells me, yo, I'm calling you. Mm-hmm. He speaks to me like that. Says, yo, I'm calling you. <laughs> that you know, how God talks? He calls to me like that. Okay. So sometimes, you know, he comes to Toronto, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So he'll be like, you know, um, you know, son, I'm calling you out to go and plant a church. The mm-hmm. same place where you fell is the same place I want to use you. Mm-hmm. And that's where God spoke to me. He just told me, go to your campus. This fellowship is now becoming a church. Mm-hmm. Start it. And that was it. Mm-hmm. 
I heard the voice and for some reason instead of fighting it I was actually excited about it mm -hmm. and so I think God takes you to a process whereby when he begins to reveal things about your future to you you don't fight it that much yeah. you accept it well you've said a lot but what practical takeaways can you give the people of God don't say prayer because church people love to say prayer and like okay I'm praying I'm praying and I don't have the answer so what yeah. practicals yeah. can you give the people of God who are struggling with identifying their purpose maybe yeah. they know their gifts maybe they don't maybe they know their talents maybe they don't maybe they know their angle maybe they don't maybe they're still trying to figure out the whole thing what practical advice can you give them on the next step or next stage or ways to walking towards the purpose for sure um so uh, just to understand this question better are you talking to me about locating your purpose or walking in your purpose uh locating let's do locating locating your mm -hmm. purpose okay well very easy to locate your purpose when you like i like i was first saying off you want to look at your strengths. Be so far like, from your hold strengths. on, sorry to interrupt. So like yeah. a list, like pros and cons, or things I'm good at, things I'm not good at. Definitely. Okay. You know, sometimes you can be called to things that are natural to you. Mm -hmm. you know, God, because when you, God created you, he created you with talents. He created you with a purpose. Mm -hmm. He had a purpose for your life. So God will never call you so far from what he's created you to do. Mm -hmm. No, he will always call you. Uh, and, and tell you this is what I want you to do based off what I've deposited in you. Mm -hmm. So how do you know what is the, the, the practical things you can look at to identifying your purpose? Sit down, take a piece of paper, mm -hmm. write down specifically, this is what I'm good at. Or sit down with some, one of your friends mm -hmm. and be like, what am I good at? And they'd be like, wow, you're actually a really good listener. Mm -hmm. You're actually really good at this. Mm -hmm. You're great at that. You're good. Wow, okay. You begin to circle it and you begin to pray that's God. From this, what I've discovered, mm -hmm. self-discovery mm -hmm. in me, reveal to me what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. Why am I here? And then you connect your practical steps with God's supernatural grace mm -hmm. and his supernatural revelation to be able to discover what God has called you to do. Okay. Excellent. Well, that concludes this episode. People, I hope you enjoyed the first part of the series, God's Plan. I pray that Pastor Kofi blessed you. If you want to hear more from him, you oh, can check him out at www.campusrush.org. Yeah, yeah. On every social media network, mm -hmm. Campus Rush. Any Jeez. final words? Yeah, Pastor definitely. Uh, thank you so much for having me on this. I uh, really enjoyed myself. Uh, lastly, last words I'm going to say, you want to walk on purpose. Once you discover it, study, study, mm. study. To Knowledge makes the difference. It does. It does. Okay. Knowledge is power. You cannot. Knowledge operate. makes the. Can we? Can we backtrack? <laughs> Knowledge makes the difference. Definitely. Okay. You cannot fully operate what you don't have full revelation of, mm. and so you need to study, study. God has called you uh, to be, you know, uh, I don't know, a sound engineer. Mm -hmm. Study the programs. Yeah. Study to show yourself approved. Study, 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 and then. It will then make sense as to not only am I gifted for it, not only am I called for it, but I have the accreditation to, mm -hmm. pack, to back up. Go to school. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. I'm grateful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode five of Real Talk and the first of the series, God's Plan. Unfortunately, we were crushed for time, so Pastor Kofi couldn't get into as detail as he had wanted to. However, hope is not lost. On my Instagram, I will be doing a poll as usual where I'll have you vote to bring back a guest. The guest with the highest percentage of bring them back will return for a live episode. So happy voting. Head over to my Instagram and put in your vote if you want to see Pastor Kofi back and you want to hear a little more from him. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that it blessed you. Tune in to next week's episode 
of God's Plan Part 2 with another special guest. We sassy and save, baby. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Question Period. This part of the show is a place where I attempt... I attempt, keyword attempt, to answer some of the questions that y'all have sent in on my Ask FM page, which will be linked in the description box below. I am not an expert. I am not a pastor. I'm just a young girl trying to please God, to be honest. So I will try to the best of my ability and under the Holy, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to answer your questions. So the first question I received today was, who is Jesus and why should I follow him? Like I responded to the initial point, Jesus is the son of God, simply put. Um, if you're a believer, you understand the Holy Trinity is made up of three parts, all of which are God. The God head is the father, God, the father, Old Testament God, the New Testament The New Testament manifestation of God in flesh is Jesus, who operates as the Son. And after his ascension, when he went back and joined the Godhead, the Father, he left us with another piece of himself called the Holy Spirit. However, the Holy Spirit was also there in the beginning, Old Testament creation, because Genesis 1 tells us that the Spirit hovered. So... They are all one part, just different manifestations. Jesus is the son of God. Why should you follow him? I can't give you the answer to that question. Because if I give it to you based on my revelation, it won't stick. It might stick for a little while as you try to parallel things in your life that might work with mine. But you will be you would be following based on my revelation. And until it's a personal experience, it won't be lifelong. So I'm not going to tell you why you should follow him. But what I will tell you is why I follow him. I follow him because he's given life meaning and life purpose. Even when I didn't know what my purpose was, I knew that there was a purpose. Before Christ, I didn't know if there was a purpose and if I had a purpose. I was walking aimlessly and blindly. Now, even though I don't, I do know what my purpose is, but even when I didn't know what my purpose was, I knew that there was a purpose. I simply had to discover it. He gives me a love like no other. I don't have, (laughs) I don't have fathers. (laughs) I've had a couple. It's a long story, but I've had a couple, but I don't have any in this moment. And he acts as a father for me. And okay, that's a lie. I have a spiritual father and a really good one. So yeah, but I don't have fathers. And Jesus acts as a father to me. Well, God acts as a father to me, but through the manifestation of Jesus, He also is a father to me. I know that I can go to God with my heart. I could cry out to him and tell him my fears about life, my fears about marriage, and he will console me. I know that I could go to him in my deepest, darkest moments and all the things that I've never experienced. I've never had an experience with a man as a father to teach me self-worth or to teach me self-love or to teach me the type of man I should go for or search for. And these are all things I learn under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and through my spiritual father and mentors, of course. But the Holy Spirit has taught me a lot about everything that I never learned from my actual father. So he acts as a father to me. Uh, what else? Why else do I follow God? Simply because I love him. Um, if you listen to the third episode, you know that I had a bit of a, 
uh, a start of my university experience. I had never experienced proper love from a man. And even the love that I thought I had found there was just lust and the and the use of the wrong measuring stick. But when I was at that encounter on February 14th, back in 2014 or 13, um, I, I did not feel his power as people were ministering. And, and as my heart was softening, I did not feel God's power. I felt his love. And that was the first time I felt authentic, pure, genuine love. And it was from him. And that's why I follow him. And I want everybody else to experience that and that's why I go as hard as I do because I never ever in my life had felt a love so pure like I said I do not have fathers but in that moment even though I couldn't see him I couldn't touch him I could feel him and I could feel the love and if his love could surpass that of tangibility it's enough for me now I ain't gonna let you leave without any practical so what I will say is what I will say is the fact that you're answer the fact that you're asking this question means that there's a desire. There's a seed of some sort. And if you need help watering it, please feel free to holler at me again. I can guide you with scripture as I have done with so many. Some people call me an internet pastor because I actually mentor so many people on the internet. I don't know how. Please reach out to me and I could help support you with scripture and hopefully link you to people that can help you more and more. But it shows that there is a desire and there is a seed that has been planted and I hope that you continue to water it. That's all I can say about who Jesus is and why you should or should not follow him. The second question I received, some of these were real crazy. I don't even, I really had to talk to the Holy Spirit. Um, how do you, how do I stop cold? How do I stop being codependent and relying on people? Codependent as in relying on people too much for everything. And how do I lean on God with everything in me? Well, you need to come to a revelation of who God is, I believe. Um, I know it's easier, easier said than done. A lot of people throw around. One of the church culture lingo is trust God, trust God, trust God. But the thing is, I feel you because I can't even trust human beings who I see. So how am I supposed to trust a God who I don't see? Like, I I feel y'all a hundred percent when y'all come with these questions because I'm a realist. I told y'all analytical. I need to see the thing. It needs to make sense. So even faith for me is like impossible. That's how you know God is real because people like me, we don't do faith. We need to see it. But it it worked out. So that's how you know he's real. But yeah, you don't even trust people that you see in flesh. You don't even trust people that you know for real. And you're supposed to trust someone you don't see and just, you know, (laughs) okay, I trust you. It's mad hard to trust God and everything. Even me, myself, been doing this for almost five years. I don't trust God with everything. And I'm not even going to lie to y'all and pretend I do. I love God and I trust him. But sometimes I'd be like, honestly, God, you're going to have to take a step back because this one is going to be me. And I go and I hit the wall and I come back. That, that it's a, There's an African proverb that my mom says all the time. It means it's Ghanaian for you will hit your head on the wall and turn around and come back. And that's exactly what happens. <laughs> and sometimes I don't even look to God. There's like a situation in front of me and I don't even go to him at all. I go and try to maneuver the thing myself 
And then whilst I'm doing it, I remember I'd be like, okay, God, but you gonna hold me down, right? God, but you got this. You know, we homies. Come on, God, don't do this to me. And then it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, but God. And God is just sitting there waiting. Like, so you really was about to do this on a solo mission? Like, <laughs> like you not my child? Like, come on, sis. And I'm like, okay, sorry. I go humbly back to God and we do the thing properly and it gets done. So how can you fully trust fully rely on God and everything I think it comes from experience really I could tell you do this and do that and do that but at the end of the day it's a flesh versus spirit battle and sometimes in the moment it seems so much easier and so much smarter to just do things yourself I think it's a thing of experience and a revelation of who God is and um, I'm reminded of the Israelites when they were in the wilderness with Moses you know I think about how the journey that was supposed to be 11 days took 40 years and even though the Israelites were grumbling and complaining I have to go to God and be like God how are you gonna make these people really stay in the desert in the wilderness for 40 years though like honestly you are all powerful so you could have just showed them the way so it could have been shorter you actually left them there that's not cool but I realized that if they hadn't gone to the wilderness they would that if they hadn't gone into the wilderness, the revelation of God would be cut short. There was no need for manna in Egypt. In Egypt, there were slaves, but they were fed. That's why in the wilderness, they would say, at least in Egypt, we had meat. At least in Egypt, we had food. But it was in the wilderness that God was able to show them a different side of himself. He was able to show himself forth as a provider when he made food rain from the sky, when he made their clothes just magically fit and walk with them, when he provided for them every step of the way. If they had stayed in Egypt, they would not know God in that and they would not know God in that way that revelation of God would be foreign to them because they would not need it even if he had manifested it in Egypt because it wasn't a necessity they wouldn't have come to the full revelation of God as their provider so he left them in the wilderness so that they would be able to understand that come they would fully come to the revelation of God as my provider like wow we had no food and food fell from the sky God really does love us so I feel like that is how you begin to trust and depend on God it's definitely a process it's not a snap your finger rub a magic lamp genie in a bottle type of thing God is not a genie he could be but he's not a genie and I think one of the reasons why he doesn't operate in that genie like behavior is because he wants us to go through the process he wants us to get to know him he wants us to receive the revelation of who he is as for being codependent relying on people you need to understand that you came into the world alone you will leave alone at the end of the day God will not ask you God will not attach you to the hip with anybody like there are so many people that have influenced my walk in so many positive, positive ways. But, and even though they've done that, even if they're, even though they've done that, God will still judge them on the good and bad. At the end of the day, you need to know that this salvation is personal. That is one thing I will preach to the end of time. Salvation is personal. It is you that will stand in front of God. It is you. I mean, look at Lucifer. Like this guy got kicked out of heaven. The Bible says that he was the best and most beautiful. He used to play music like never, like every, think of the best song you've ever heard in your life. Lucifer's music was better than that. Don't you feel like he blessed God for so many years before he fell? 
he blessed God for so many years, but on that one day that he, but as soon as, as pride crept into his heart, he got kicked out. Everything that he had done good was overshadowed by that one bad thing. Can y'all take that in for a second? So you cannot depend on anybody to do anything for you. You cannot depend on anybody to take you to heaven because they not. If you don't go to heaven, don't blame Jesus because he's so clear about what he wants. He wants to know you and he wants to be, he wants to know you and he wants to develop a relationship with you. So if you fail to do that, it is your problem. Don't be don't be codependent on nobody. Like I don't, I know that it's, I know, I feel like the answer I'm giving you is quite vague, but I feel like also the question is a little vague, just codependent. I'm not really sure in what area you're being codependent. If it's like codependent in school, codependent in your faith, codependent in relationships, but as that's as specific as I, as I could get based on what you've given me. And I hope that helps you, but please, please understand that this thing is personal. Even if it's not salvation, life in itself is personal. You are born alone, you die alone. It's a cliche but it's true so please take that to the bank and cash it do your thing on the dolos all right all right the next question is i want to disappear i want to stop trying i want to not give up but start over in a far unknown place i'm new to the faith but i generally feel like i've done some things to others that are not forgivable what do i do (sighs) oh when i read this question my heart broke because it's it's so unfortunate that we don't recognize the way God sees us and I know when I was new to the faith I had those same feelings because after my experience with Oh, my, the boy. <laughs> After my experience with the boy and coming to church and learning about love and seeing love and experiencing love, I felt like I was used goods. And I actually wrote a blog post called Used Goods. I felt like nobody would ever marry me. And even if I did, I would be a bad wife or I would bring my husband dishonor or disservice because I couldn't wait for him as in sex um I felt like I was used good like I I, I, because of that there was a blockade there was a wall between me and God and even though I could feel his love and even though I could feel his presence and even though I was getting to know him and growing in him I couldn't properly receive the love it's one thing to acknowledge and feel it's one thing to acknowledge acknowledge and feel that something is there but it's another thing to receive it just like there's people in the world that acknowledge that god is real they acknowledge that he exists they've seen him move but they haven't received him as their personal savior so they don't walk in the the benefits and the revelation of being a son or daughter by inheritance it's the same thing as a christian if you don't come to the revelation of the God perspective of who you are, you miss out on the benefits of being a son or daughter by inheritance. You miss out on having those aha moments and being in awe of God and seeing how much he truly loves you. It's one thing you need to remember is that we as humans, we prey on the bad. 
So we remember everything God forgets and we forget everything he remembers. God is not looking for perfect people. The scriptures say, come to me all who are heavy laid, who are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I don't know off the top of my head where it is, but if you Google some words, I'm sure it will come up. He's looking for imperfect people. If you check his track record, everybody that he's used has been imperfect. God don't like perfect. He didn't make anybody perfect except himself because he doesn't like perfect. He likes the people that are a little crooked. He likes the people that are a little messed up. Even David, when he called him, he said, yes, the Bible says, yes, he was handsome, but it also describes him as ruddy. He wasn't perfect in everything because God brings the perfect nature. He is the essence of perfection. So when you come in your incomplete state, he adds his perfection on top and makes you into a beautiful masterpiece. My pastor taught in, um, a class that we had at church, he says that we are shittim wood wrapped in gold. And the gold part is the God nature. And shittim wood is like, is like, is like nothing wood. It's like the worst wood of the woods. And that is the whole essence of our walk with God. We come in, in our ruddiness, in our nastiness and our dirtiness and everything that we've done. And he covers it with gold, with his perfection, with his God nature. And he shines us and he puts us on the world. Uh, he puts us and he presents us to the world. And he puts us on platforms to speak that even in my mess, because I have the covering of the Holy Spirit, I can still do this. So please, please, please do not, do not, do not, do not disappear. Do not stop trying. Do not give up. God is not looking for anything but effort. He just wants you to reach out and he will meet you halfway. Everything that you have done, forget about it. Bible says, behold, the old is passed away in a new man. Everything that you had done in the past died on that day when he died on the cross, when he hung his head and said, it is finished. All Everything that you had done is had finished. And when he got up again on that third day and resurrected, you resurrected with him. He pulled you up as a new person and everything that you had done is in the past. It's gone and let it be gone. Look towards the future, look towards the new day, look towards your new man and walk in the new revelation of who you are. Push forward, walk towards God and he will meet you. And the last question is, I'm so effed up, I swear I hate everything I've done just to be what I thought everyone wanted me to be. But now I'm just angry at myself. What the heck do I do? Self-forgiveness is extremely important. We tend to be very forgiving of others but not as lenient with ourselves um i think it's because we hold ourselves to a higher esteem as in we as in we have higher expectations for for ourselves so when we succumb to the pressures and we act in ways that are contrary to our morals values or beliefs um it, it causes us to hold a grudge against ourselves uh, I think you need to take time to forgive yourself and forgiveness is not is, is something that is, is very difficult to achieve I know but you need to let it go even though you may have done things that you're not proud of like I said for the last question once he hung his head he buried all those things with him. And when he got up, he raised you up a new person. So 
let that word become flesh the bible says the word became flesh let that word become flesh let it be so real that you see it you imagine it and you understand that it became flesh as he walked on earth those 33 years everything that he went through every whip every chain every thorn every pain that he endured was for this very moment so that you can forgive yourself and declare the forgiveness speak it say i forgive myself on this day on this 28th of february i forgive myself for and list the things you forgive yourself for. Let that word speak to your spirit and understand that it is finished. And indeed it had finished and it finished a long time ago. And even though Satan has been trying to bring it back, he is the biggest loser and it will never come back because it is finished. It has been finished and it will forever be finished. Take the time to forgive yourself. Take the time to heal yourself. Let it go. I don't know the situation so that's what I can say but let it go also I, I think you should find someone that you can talk to a mentor a mentee a person of faith that can help you deal with what it is that you're feeling a pastor um, yeah that will help you deal with it deal with what it is that you're feeling sometimes it's very important. I think we don't utilize the power of communication enough. A lot of times, the lack of forgiveness comes from bottling things inside. We have to face these demons all the time because they're stuck within us. But once we speak, vocalize, and we let it out, we release it through the through the word. And we release it through words, which are spirit, and the spirit can leave as the words leave. So find someone that you can that someone find someone that you can trust that you can speak to. So that you can release those feelings. I'm always available. But I do live in Ottawa. So I'm not in everybody's province, city or territory. So as much as I can. I will try. But find someone that you can speak to. Someone has already conquered what it is that you're fighting. So why don't you fight with them. Two is always better than one. Two can chase 10,000.